the edge with your Premier League predictions while well, we've teamed up with InfoGoal to delve deeper into the data behind the game this season. From outright favourites to expected goals outsiders, we'll help you find value in the markets this season. This is Premier League Insights. Well, in a summer where football nearly came home, well, if you're an England fan anyway, and fans have returned to stadiums, some outrageous transfers are looking like happening as well. We've got an intriguing Premier League campaign on the cards, some huge changes in the off-season. New managers are going to be in place at Tottenham, Wolves, Everton and Crystal Palace with Premier League legend Patrick Vieira taking charge of them. We'll come on to that. Jake Oscar Thorpe from Info Goal, won't we? Um, who knows what's going to happen? Well, I'll tell you here for one thing for free. On the Premier League Insights podcast, there's a good chance, as anywhere, of getting the edge in the betting market. So, new Premier League season. This is game week one. If it's the first time you've ever listened to Premier League Insights, basically what we do is, it's exactly what it says on the tip. We give you an insight into what's going to happen into the Premier League this coming game week. And this is game week one. So, we're going to do a little bit of an overview what's to come throughout the entire season. Um, it's quite difficult to actually know before a ball has been kicked, but we'll give it a good go anyway, based on the information that we have. And uh, Jake, well, first of all, are you looking forward to this season? That's a really basic and bland question, but but are you? I mean, what, what, what makes it different from last season? Um, a few things, actually. Um, we're going to have a sort of a, a non-COVID affected schedule where we're not going to have teams playing twice a week every single week um, obviously the teams in Europe will probably have to do that at some stage but that had a real impact on the teams such as Wolves Man United Man City at the start of last season obviously coming off the back of a really short turnaround and obviously you've got fans back as well which will have a massive impact in terms of um, you know home advantage increasing um, there was still home advantage last season without the fans but there's going to be much more home advantage this time around um, yeah, and all in all, just make for a much better spectacle for, for people to watch from home and obviously in the stadium. Mm, yeah, absolutely. I can't wait to get back in. Even though my club isn't in the Premier League anymore, it's a bit sad. <laughs> Don't talk about my club. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we have no kind of invested interest, really, um, apart from watching the Premier League anymore, do we? We don't support clubs in the Premier League, uh, which is, which I suppose, makes the podcast better, you could say. A bit more organic. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. More objective. No, exactly. That's good. That can only be a good thing. Um, we'll talk about Manchester United. They've signed Jaden Sancho. They've also got uh, the French superstar Rafael Varane as well. Uh, Villa, they've made their intentions clear to push for Europe. They signed Eddie Bendia from Norwich for 33 million quid. That could affect Norwich as well because big players, you need to keep your big players if you're going to stay in the Premier League. They've had several attempts of doing it. They always seem to yo-yo, don't they? Do Norwich and they've got that great solid model. That could affect them. Uh, the new manager at Spurs, you know, Espirito Santo, um, he looks to be sort of attending to some trouble, um, the, uh, you know, defence in their kind of transfer window in terms of keeping some of their top players. Uh, Liverpool have also looked at their defence as well. Um, Ibrahim Kanete, um, uh, sorry, Conate, isn't it? Um, join, joining from thir- uh, 36 million quid. Uh, Virgil van Dijk will be back as well at Anfield. That's quite a big thing for them, I'd imagine, uh, Jake. And also Joe Gomez back to full fitness. So that could help them. Remember, that was a bit of a problem for them, wasn't it, last season? A bit leaky at the back. 
And also, having won the Champions League, imagine that Chelsea will be in the hunt for um, the, the sort of the title as well. But they've not actually added anybody as we record this this summer. So that's weird. That could soon change though as well. And as we record this, um, Arsenal, they've signed Ben White. Uh, and you talk about defenders, he's a top talent. But can he realistically help Mikel Arteta's team? into the top six lots to discuss Jake you, you run the info goal model and for those listeners who um, don't know what info goal is or it's the first that they're hearing of it and they're thinking what is that is this just one of these silly prediction things well, explain what it is um, it's your bread and butter it's kind of what we rely on heavily to predict a lot of the outcomes of the game weeks um, here on the Premier League Insights podcast just, just explain how the model works and what, what it gives you yeah, so for the model, we basically we have ratings for every team that have taken over the last 38-game period, maybe even longer, weighted towards the most recent 10 matches. Um, and we have ratings, like I said, for all teams. And what we do with the model pre-season is we simulate the full season. So we simulate every single match between all the teams um, throughout the whole season and we get a, a percentage chance of each team finishing in each position. So um, it gives really good insight into what we think is likely to happen for each team. It gives really good betting insight as well because we can find angles where bookmakers might have priced out certain things uh, incorrectly. Um, so yeah, all in all, that's what we do pre-season. And the same models run week by week to generate our probabilities and percentages for betting on each individual match. Mm. Well, I suppose the sort of glaring question then from from Maya is how do you how do you how can you kind of predict? before you've had a ball kicked because a lot of it's depending on form um, and and just seeing how teams have fared. When you've got new signings coming in and, and that kind of thing, how difficult is it um, to run the model and, and get an accurate prediction? Yeah, it can be, quite, it can be a little bit difficult. Um, I mean, on the, on the, on the whole... <laughs> signings don't really have that much of an impact in terms of a team's rating because we're looking at we're not looking at just form we're not looking at wins draws and losses we're looking at the underlying numbers in terms of whether teams actually deserve to win um, matches how they're generating the chances are they generating a lot are they conceding a lot of chances um, and that all feeds into the into the rating and obviously there will be some exceptions to the rule in terms of transfers so if Harry Kane does leave Tottenham then Tottenham's attacking rating will be will decrease quite considerably and Manchester City's will probably get a little small uptick uh, I think the biggest one that we recorded recently anyway was when Eden Hazard left Chelsea to go to Real Madrid and that was just purely because for that previous season over 38 games Hazard had accounted for nearly 50% of Chelsea's total expected goals so we had to take a little bit of a chunk off Chelsea's attacking rating um, on that upcoming season. But on the whole, transfers don't make too much of a difference. And, and it's the same with you know, managerial changes. They can make a little bit more of an impact um, because they obviously have much more impact on what is actually the style the team is playing, the way in which they create the chances and go about their business and the process in which they play with. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's very tricky. This season hasn't been too well, this pre-season anyway hasn't been too um, too tough for us to actually generate um, a sort of ratings that we're happy with in terms of rankings and then obviously the percentage chances come off the back of that so way, where, where do you see it this season then because there's so much um, talk about Manchester City and Manchester United can anybody realistically topple those two in terms of top two um, Leicester, they gave it a good run last season, but ultimately kind of faltered and fell short of what they were hoping for. Chelsea won the Champions League. They were nowhere really in the league last year. Can they mount a serious challenge? I mean, we saw Thomas Tuchel coming halfway through the season and they were absolutely unbelievable. They tightened up at the back. They barely lost a game in the first sort of 10 or 15 matches uh, when Tuchel came in. 
So where do you see it in the top end? We will come on to the bottom end as well because you've got teams like Newcastle, Southampton, Burnley, Wolves. They're all hoping for a bit of progress after tough seasons. But where do you see it, you know, in terms of those those top boys? Yeah, this is where we've got a slight contradiction to the, the bulk of the markets uh, from a betting perspective anyway. And that is because we feel as though the top four from last season, the season before, so that's City, Liverpool, United and Chelsea, are very, very strong favourites to finish as the top four this season. We're starting to see a little bit of a gulf appearing between those four and the rest based on the ratings of the underlying numbers from the last two seasons. Um, so we're quite confident that, that those four will finish as the top four. Um, obviously, it's difficult to say what order. Um, at the moment, we, we're quite, you know, we're, we're with the in line with the bookmakers in terms of how we think or who we think is going to win the title, and that's Manchester City. Um, we're giving them just you know over a 56% chance, so nearly 57% chance of winning the title, retaining their title. Um, and then it gets a little bit tighter behind there. Um, Liverpool are the second favourites on our model at 17.4%, and Chelsea at 16.7%. So we're making those two pretty much an even keel, um, given what the improvements that Chelsea made under Tuchel particularly defensively. Mm. And if they were to sign Romelu Lukaku, who they've been heavily linked with, then that might increase their their chances quite considerably because the main issue they had last season was actually not creating the chances, it was taking the chances. Um, and that's something that we have seen a bit more um, over a longer period of time at Chelsea. It happened under Frank Lampard in his first first and only full season. Um, yeah, that's the, that's the gap that Chelsea really need to bridge um, if they are to contend, and that is taking the chances at a, a, more exp- a rate that we would expect because defensively they've been pretty sensational. I mean, under Tuchel, conceded just 0.68 expected goals against per game, um, which if that was to be replicated over a full season would actually make it the best defensive performance that we'd ever seen from a full season in the Premier League. Um, and as I said, in attack, they've had major struggles, scored just 25 times under Tuchel in the league um, from chances equating to 36 expected goals. So they left 11 goals out there based on the um, the, the chances they were creating. Uh, as for Liverpool, you spoke about their injury issues, massive problems last season in terms of Van Dijk, Gomez going down. Fabinho uh, and Henderson were playing as a back as a centre-half partnership for much of the season. Um, and then they ultimately turned it around and they finished the season really strongly um, to creep into the top four. But they did also finish above Chelsea in third. So, um, you know, they, they shouldn't be... Um, Look down upon them this season. I'm expecting a real bounce back from Liverpool personally, just purely because they've had their big stars have had summer off, which is something that they've not had for a while. I mean, there was no African Cup of Nations in the summer. There is going to be an African Cup of Nations in the winter. So that will see Salah, Mane, Cater leave to for, for a, roughly a month if, if their teams qualify. But they've got every chance of being close there or thereabouts before that happens because they're so well rested. Um, in this summer obviously Van Dijk's back to full fitness they brought in an extra centre half um, so I'm expecting much better from them Manchester United are a strange one because they finished last season second but they were very unconvincing second um, I mean on the eye test and the results will tell you that, that they were unconvincing They most of the games they won away from home they went one or two nil down before coming back and that's never really a good um, uh, you know good look they have brought in Sancho they have brought in Varane um, so they have strengthened absolutely. Just again, nagging doubts about the manager. Are they going to Solskjaer? Is he is he off the stature of Klopp 
Tuchel Guardiola. In my opinion, he's not. I think they've got a good squad there that can be not contenders, but they can make life difficult for for those those sides and, and our title chances for them around eight percent. So they're the the outsiders of that little bunch of four, just purely because wow. their defense is not as strong as Liverpool's or Chelsea's or Manchester City's, and their attack is not as strong as Liverpool's or Manchester City's. And from a process standpoint, this is um, so. Yeah, that we're fully expecting those four to be the top four. In fact, we're calculated around a. 57% chance of those four finishing as the top four in any order. Um, so if you can find any, any bookmaker that's offering odds against for Chelsea, Liverpool, City and United all to finish in the top four in any order, then that's a that's a really strong value bet. Um, yeah, like I said, the, the, the gulf is there and I know you touched on Leicester there. Can they break into the top four? They've been close the last few ta- few seasons, haven't they? It's gone mm. down to the wire. Um, they continue to impress in terms of the transfer dealings that their underlying process has been underwhelming for those two seasons. I mean, they finished, I think it was seventh and eighth uh, on a, in our expected position over the last two seasons. So from a process standpoint, they've been quite far away from um, those the top four, but they're the closest contenders in my book. Interesting. Yeah, Leicester, they have done smart business, like you said, actually, Jake. Patson Dacker as well, he was one of the top scorers in the, or the top scorer in the Austrian Bundesliga. Um, and then Bubaraki Samara as well. Um, yeah, they missed out on the final day last, in the, uh, last season. West Ham as well, interesting, because they're in the Europa League along with Leicester. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, and I've not looked massively into the data, but I do recall when we were sort of talking from January onwards, February onwards, when Jesse Lingard had joined them on loan from Manchester United, and he made a massive difference to them. He's gone back to Manchester United um, you know, after that loan spell has finished. And basically, they've lost Lingard and now the juggling two games a week because they're playing in the Europa League. We know how it affects teams. We saw it with Wolves who looked like they were going to really push on, didn't they, a couple of seasons ago. And then ultimately just got absolutely stung by this midweek, just absolute nightmare all these teams seem to have to go through. So where do you see West Ham um, and, and, and any of the sort of potential teams who could nip up there? I'm thinking teams like Everton, um, you know, I know Southampton were more towards the bottom, but actually, you know, realistically, they massively underachieved, didn't they? They should have been sort of higher um, up the table last time around. Where do you see that sort of next batch looking? How, how, how do you see that looking? And are there going to be any kind of infiltrators in that? I'm thinking Leeds as well. Last season, that's not going to be a flash in the pan, is it? Particularly when we saw Calvin Phillips at the Euros uh, being so dominant. And, um, you know, now they've settled in. It's not just like a scrap for survival. It's like a maybe let's see if we can push on type season, isn't it? What they don't want to do is is do a Sheffield United, but I can't see them doing something like that because they're, because they're so strong and they're you know they're so tactically astute and you know the fans back in as well at Ellen Road and that's an immeasurable and something that the info goal model doesn't take into account particularly. But that's um, I mean where, where do you see that next batch coming? You know, talking sort of like fifth to sort of eighth or ninth. Yeah, it's really interesting. Like I said, we, we've pretty much got our top four um, nailed on. Um, those four in particular, then as I said, I think Leicester are the, the side most likely to challenge that top four yet again. Um, and they'll probably finish fifth in my book, which means that sixth place is going to be between the likes of Spurs, Arsenal, Everton, Leeds, West Ham, maybe even Villa. I know they're, they're already spending the money quite wisely, bringing in Leon Bailey and Emi Buendia. So um, yeah, that, it's interesting how that's shaping up. I think, as I've said, Leicester for me are, are if you can get them back them to win, finish in the top six, I think that's a really, really good bet. The Infocom model prices them um, close to the 60 
1% chance of, of finishing in the top six. So they are quite strongly fancied to do so. Um, and, you know, even if you're back in Leicester to win the league without the big six, which is obviously the traditional big six. Well, you could argue two of those aren't really very big anymore. Um, yeah, so I think Leicester will be fifth. And then you're looking at the rest and uh, you've made a good case for the likes of Leeds potentially kicking on. Um, they could do with a few more players in my mind just to strengthen the, the squad, perhaps not start the starting 11. Um, and then you've got, yeah, West Ham. They're going to really struggle, I think, to, to replicate what they did. I don't think they'll be in any relegation danger, but um, a top six looks unlikely to be repeated because they've not really strengthened their squad um, and we all know you need a big squad to, to be able to juggle Europa League and, and Premier League and the, the only teams really that have managed to do that in the, the in recent years have been the likes of Man United who've reached a semi-final and a final Chelsea who obviously won it a couple of years ago um, Arsenal who've reached a semi-final and a final as well so the 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 top tier Prem teams are the only teams that have managed to juggle both um, in recent seasons. Yeah, I worry for West Ham in, in terms of falling behind that little pack. Um, Everton are really interesting because they've obviously got a new manager in charge. Rafa Benitez is coming. He's not being given the most warm welcome. Um, given his Liverpool um, history. But it is interesting to note that while they did start last season very, very strongly uh, under Carlo Ancelotti, they tailed off to a point where they were deserving of finishing the bottom half and they were actually fortunate to hold on to a top half spot based on the Infocom model so Ancelotti leaving to Real Madrid was could prove to be a blessing in disguise because he wasn't improving that team and it is a talented team um, question and marks over some of the, the transfers that they brought in I mean Andros Townsend would be one that I was scratching my head around really Damari Gray who's you know I albeit hasn't been given a real run in the Premier League by Leicester but they're not really top notch signings that you would expect you know Everton to be to be making. I mean, they went and signed James Rodriguez last season. It's a yeah. kind of different calibre. Um, but they, they'll be very difficult to beat under Benitez. I think we saw under Ancelotti that there was a bit of steel in that back line and Benitez will be able to, to pounce on that. And they'll be, they'll be a difficult team to beat. I don't think they'll finish in the top six. They might finish seventh and, and nick that coveted Europa Conference League spot, um, which brings <laughs> us on to Tottenham, <laughs> who are in the Conference League. Now, um, they, how seriously they take that will probably determine their, um, you know, how well they do in the Premier League. Obviously, got a new manager, Nuno Espirito Santo, Mister Three Five Two himself is going to be um, in the dugout, and it'll be really interesting to see how good he can make Matt Doherty again, um, because that's the main reason he was appointed. Is what I've been hearing. Um, is to get the best out of Doherty. <laughs> in all wow. seriousness, they nah I'm joking. <laughs> in all seriousness, they 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 will. You know, one of the things that we labelled at Spurs last season was their flakiness in defence, and Nuno will be able to help. Um, you know, tighten them up. I mean, they're bringing in a centre half from Atalanta, which you know Christian Christian Romero, who's a centre Argentinian, mm. won the Copa America with Argentina. It's a decent defender, but for the amount of money they're paying for him, you have to scratch your head and think were well, the better options knocking around. Yeah. Because um, as far as I'm aware, Atalanta are bringing in um, a Juventus and Turkey centre half for a three million pound loan fee. Which if they're selling Romero for fifty million or reported fifty million. You have to question Spurs' potential business there, um, unless he was just really, really fancied. I mean, fair enough. But yeah, I think Nuno's system will suit what Spurs are doing. Reguilon should benefit from playing as a wing-back. Um, Doherty, obviously, the right wing-back, will, will probably come in and, and prove to be a goal threat. But the key is, will Harry Kane stay? Yeah, and if they lose Harry Kane, um, it's panic stations, really, because you're losing your best striker, your striker who is... You know, your main port source of goals and your source of assists last season. So it would be really, really difficult to see Spurs having a good season if they lose Kane. Um, Nuno, I rate him as a manager. I just think that 
this, you know, Spurs fans are coming off the back of a Mourinho season where they were playing defensive minor football and watching Nuno's Wolves it is defence first. They look good on the transition and they do create chances with quick counter-attacking play, but um, yeah, I just wonder if they'll get a little bit tired of him quite quickly. He's a refreshing character. He's a nice bloke compared to Mourinho, who can be a bit standoffish. But um, yeah, that'd be one to keep an eye on. And, and then that brings us on to Arsenal, the only team we've not actually mentioned. And they're the team I actually fancy to finish in the top six, believe it or not. And anyone who's listened to this show um, for the last two years will know that I'm not a massive Arsenal lover and I haven't been but that's just because of what the data has been telling me the data has been telling me that they've been a bottom half to mid-table team um, but now we're seeing trends in the positive in the right direction um, I know they finished eighth last season which was the same as, as the season before but during the 1920 season when Arteta was first appointed posted a minus 9.2 expected goal difference and, and while they finished in the same position last season they posted a plus 8.5 expected goal difference so a swing of 17.7 expected goals which is quite a considerable amount really um, and it is definitely noteworthy the fact that they actually deserve to finish sixth last season based on the expected goals table so they were performing at a top six level um, you know, that, like you've said, they brought in Ben White. They've got the youthful, energetic lot that is Emil Smith-Rowe, Bukayo Saka. Um, and they don't have any European football, which, as we've said, is can be a massive hindrance for quite a few of the teams. So Arsenal have no European football this season, so they can solely focus on uh, a really strong Premier League campaign. And that's where I think um, Arsenal to finish in the top six is definitely a, a decent bet if you can get it anything around 11 to 10 or upwards, because... They've got a lot going for them. Um, and as I've said, there's some real negatives alongside the rest of the competitors. And we currently have Arsenal forecast to finish sixth in our in our t- uh, final table, giving them a 43% chance of finishing that top six. So that's definitely, um, you know, it surprised me when it came out because I didn't notice they finished sixth in the XG table last season. <laughs> it just sort of went under the radar. We were talking yeah. about West Ham and, and how good that they'd been, et cetera. But yeah, they, they're definitely, all, they tick all the boxes to be that sixth place team, really. Promoted sides, Watford, Brentford, Norwich. They've been pretty busy, actually, Jake, in the transfer windows. But is it enough? What does the InfoGo model say in, in terms of, are they going to stay up? We know that Norwich, they have this, Type model where they don't overspend. Um, they don't, you know, they, I mean, they brought in 33 million quid for Buendia. So that's effectively their budget, isn't it? Until the end of that window. Um, and they have brought players in Watford um, and Brentford. I mean, Brentford, it, it, it's, we, we don't know what to expect from them. It's the first time they've been in the Premier League. So we've got no idea. But what's the info goal model saying based on their. Uh, you know, expected goals from last season and, and some of the players that they, they have brought in. I mean, it's a really difficult one to gauge, I'd imagine, for, for you guys. But it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. And once once we've kind of done these, we'll, we'll go on to the fixtures from Premier League game week one. But I am intrigued just to get your thoughts on the, on the bottom sides. Yeah, so first thing to mention really is that the, the three best teams from the Championship last season did get promoted. So we've not got no imposters in the Premier League. They all deserve to be here. Um, Brentford were actually the team that ranked as the best team based on expected goals. Obviously, had to come up through the playoffs. Watford in third, Norwich in second on our expected goals table. But all three were streets clear of the rest in the, uh, in the Championship. And um, I think that they deserve some credit for that because they were extremely dominant. And it's just part of the sort of weird... COVID-affected seasons that we're having at the minute that the teams that are coming down can keep hold of their players because no one's got any money to buy their players off them. We're seeing that this season as well in the Championship. You've got Fulham down there, West Brom, Sheffield United. They've all kept their squads together. No one's lost any any players just because they, no one can afford to take them off their hands. Um, so that's something to bear in mind moving forward for the other leagues. But yeah, um, it's going to be a difficult season for the three of them. I think we're actually giving... 
Brentford the best chance of survival. Um, they've been the most consistent team in the championship for the last three or four seasons. They obviously run off a, a data-driven model, so their signings aren't just hit and hope. They've got they've you know they've made plans, they've done their research, their homework. They've also got value as well. You know, it's very rare that they sign a player for big money because they can't have they can't resell resell that player. Um, so they're definitely one to keep an eye on over the next few seasons. I'd be surprised if any of these three teams do a Leeds or a Wolves or a Sheffield United and co- finish in the top half um, after being promoted. Um, yeah, it, it, it's it's interesting really because Watford in, uh, in particular, we know that they've got this sacking culture. They have they go through three and four managers a year usually, um, if it, on a good year, um, and. <laughs> You know, they, their squad really is probably the weakest of the three, I would say. Um, and the manager is probably the weakest of the three um, and the most unknown really to, to English football and um, to people who are reporting on this. We don't know much about Zisco Munoz. Um, but yeah, last season they were a team that had a really strong squad for the championship. This season, I think they've got a bottom half to relegation threatened Um uh, level team and, and Brentford are slightly better Norwich slightly better as well so I, I feel I think all three of them will be in a relegation battle but I think I'm more confident about Watford going down of the three of them um, Norwich obviously had the experience we've seen teams that, that go down and then come straight back up um, like, like Burnley have done it really well where they went down that first season they came straight back up and now they've solidified because they've got players have got the experience of dealing with the league the manager's got the experience they stuck with the manager um, which is why it was so surprising last season to see Sheffield United sack Chris Wilder even if they were to go down <laughs> keep Chris Wilder in there um, he's you know he's already got them promoted from the championship once he's worked with the players for ages so that was a real positive around Norwich and their approach um, yeah they've made some good signings they've, they've spent the Buendia money well uh, there's rumours that Cantwell could be a target for certain Premier League clubs as well which would be a blow because he's another one of their creative forces um, but yeah the, the team I'm most worried about is Watford really um, and then of the rest of, of the establishment in inverted commas Crystal Palace are, are an intriguing proposition at the moment they're going through some sort of transition they're bringing in as you said Vieira they're, they're trying to make the squad younger they've released loads and loads of players um, I think they've had one of the longest release lists in, in, of the summer uh, and they're bringing in youth which I think is really refreshing um, Alise from Reading they brought in uh, the centre-half from Chelsea I don't want to say his name because I'll probably butcher it um, but yeah they, they, they're doing some really nice business um, and you know that that's a positive, but then you've still got the real negatives of Vieira as a properly unproven manager. The last time they tried an experiment like this, it was Frank De Boer, and it didn't go well at all. He was sacked after three or four matches. Um, and you know that when you have such a turnaround in squads, that can have a real impact as well in, team, in terms of people settling in. So yeah, I've got question marks about them. I think I think that they've got the quality there now, especially in attacking areas, to to pull themselves clear of that that sort of bottom three but I have question marks and then you mentioned one team in a positive light and that was Southampton I think they could be in danger this season um, Interesting. I really do I think that there's there's some real real issues at that club obviously they've got a really good coach a really good manager um, he's obviously frustrated at the lack of funds that he's getting in um, they're not done too much in the transfer window they finished last season as one of the worst teams in the Premier League um, they went on such a horrendous losing run they obviously got beat 9-0 again I wonder what odds you can get on them to lose by 9-0 this season, say, which game will that be this season? It'll be interesting if that <laughs> pops up in game week 13 or something like that. Indeed, yeah. But they, they actually finished, um, well, they deserve to finish at the bottom half of the table. I know you said that they started the season well, which we, they did, but they were performing at an unsustainable rate at that point and they deserve to finish in the bottom half and they were trending in a really negative direction. And that's, 
a massive issue for um, for teams season on season. You see teams that finish season strongly. The most obvious example being Leicester when they won the league. They finished the previous season strongly to avoid relegation, carried that momentum on. Um, Sheffield United finished last, it finished the 1920 season on a real disappointing run of results and that carried them on to the next season. So if that continues for Southampton and without the influx of uh, of any transfers, and um, you know, that, that could be a real issue for them. And, and we're giving them around a 23% chance of being relegated. So any price of around five to one is value in our book. This is good. This is good. I hope that if you are listening to this podcast for the first time or if you are rejoining us, uh, you're jotting all this down because it could come in very useful at some kind of midpoint of the season. Uh, we will see how this first game week pans out though now just to round off the opening game week podcast from Premier League Insights here with Pinnacle. Um, and by the way, if you do want some of the odds, you can go to pinnacle.com and also, if you do want to follow the info goal model, it's uh, info goal. Infogoal.net is the, info is goal the website. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. At Infogoal app on Twitter. There we go. There we go. You've heard it from Jake. Um, and uh, he's, he, he's brilliant. It blows my mind every single game week when I'm looking at it. It's amazing. Um, and Jake just, just beautifully just sort of breaks it down for us here on the podcast, which is nice. Right, let's get into game week one then. So... The season kicks off with Friday 8pm kickoff. Brentford against Arsenal. What a curtain raiser that is, eh? What <laughs> yeah. a curtain raiser. Um, a bad one. It's like an FA Cup third round from like four years ago, that. <laughs> so uninspired. Oh dear, if you're a Brentford fan, you've got to tweet in now and give him some stick for that. Yeah, and by the way, I'll fully accept it as well. <laughs> Credit, credit where it's due. Brentford were fantastic last season and I'm actually really looking forward to seeing them sort of mix it as well in that new stadium as well, which will be packed to the Raptors, I'm sure. Uh, Manchester United against Leeds at half 12 on Saturday. Uh, Chelsea Palace is your traditional Saturday 3pm kickoff, and then um, at half past five is Norwich against Liverpool. And then it's actually quite a good game on Sunday at half four in Spurs against City. Um, which has lots of kind of interesting uh, permutations around it. But we'll start off Brentford Arsenal. We'll rattle through these, Jake, because there's not a great deal we can say without kind of going through the, the, the form guides and a lot of what we've said about the sort of the starts to the season that we expect from various teams and whatnot. Um, it might be defunct. Odds will change, of course they are. Um, the odds that we're kind of going to give out here are always subject uh, to change. Um, but... Let's have a let's have a little look then. So that first game, Brentford Arsenal. Where do you see it going, bud? Yeah, I find this quite a difficult one to to assess. Really, I mean. Brentford, we are expecting, as I've said, them to, to at least finish as the top promoter team and, and survive. Um, they were really impressive and strong in the championship at home, even without the fans there. Um, and Arsenal, surprisingly, were really strong away from home last season. Uh, believe it or not, their XG process away from home is actually better than at the Emirates. They're averaging around 1.56 expected goals for and just 1.1 expected goals against per game. So they were really tight at the back. Um, I'd expect that to continue now they've got Ben White back there. Obviously, they got brought in Gabriel last season so that, that could be a really interesting partnership to keep an eye on um, and yeah they've got they've got a nice balance in the team now Arsenal Thomas Partey's injury is a little bit of a worry because he was the kind of um, that breakup player in there <clears throat> but yeah I think I'm, I'm, I think that this is a the bookmakers have got this price spot on from a um, home draw away perspective. Um, I think that Arsenal are very fair favourites. Brentford, you know, the newly promoted team, you would expect a team expected to be in the top six to be odds on favourites away from home, a new, newly promoted side. But I, I'm looking at the goal line and, and I'm leaning towards unders purely because I know Brentford have got the capabilities of um, 
frustrating teams and sitting deep and be, being very difficult to break down. Um, they showed that quite a lot in the championship last season when they went on a, a really sensational unbeaten run. Didn't concede many goals whatsoever. And Arsenal, as I've said, they don't concede many chances away from home or they didn't last season, which I expect to continue. So I'm looking at under 2.5 goals in the first game. It's around even money and pinnacle, which I think is a really sensible bet. The Infocore model makes it around about just shorter than 10 to 11 for that one. So that we're making it odds on for under two and a half. So there's a small, small bit of value there. And um, and yeah, I'm really looking forward to that game. I think it should be really, really good. It's be the first Premier League game we'll have with fans in the stadium. So exciting. That is going to be exciting. You're right. And that new stadium, by the way, just completely non-related. I've driven past it a couple of times. Uh, the new Brentford said it looks brilliant. It looks so good. And it's like packed in amongst all these massive skyscrapers. It's something, visually, it looks brilliant. So looking forward to seeing the artsy uh, Sky Sports shots of that on Friday night. Um, Saturday, Manchester United Leeds is a is a decent one. I noticed that Leeds are way out at 5.8 on Pinnacle. Is that just down to the fact that Manchester United finished second in the Premier League and bookies are scared stiff of them, plus they've added Sancho, plus they've added Varane? Is that that? Or is that any other reason, Jake? Um, because Manchester United are at 1.5-ish on Pinnacle. Um, and a draw on Pinnacle is 4.79. So, uh, I mean, can you see anything other than a Manchester United win? Bear in mind, there is that kind of rivalry, isn't there? That Manchester United don't really care about, but Leeds do. (laughs) (laughs) You said that. Again, any abuse from any fans direct towards James Gregg? I'm saying Um, every every club in the Premier League, all 20 clubs. Literally, yeah. You've got a hit list, haven't you? Ticking them off as you go. Brentford and Leeds this week. Yeah, sorry. Carry on. (laughs) No, I I think, um, yeah, this price is what I'd expect, to be fair, from uh, Man United at home to any team outside the top six. Obviously, they're usually shorter against teams of lesser standards than Leeds. But yeah, I think that's a fair price. I would be tempted just just purely because of what Manchester United have, uh, have been through in terms of the majority of their players have been at the Euros. So they're probably still not quite up to speed with Leeds as players. I know obviously you've said a few there, Calvin Phillips of Leeds who was involved in the Euros. But majority of Leeds as players didn't actually play at the Euros. So they'll be fit and raring together. They'll have had a proper full pre-season, whereas the United players, most of them I would expect, probably only got back into pre-season training maybe last week compared to Leeds who maybe are an extra two weeks. So I, I would personally I would be swerving United at that price I'd be looking elsewhere for a bet um, and I probably would be getting on board with Leeds I know what many maybe the, the market is swayed by what happened last season with Leeds obviously losing 6-2 at Old Trafford but they did improve drastically towards the back end of last season I mean at the start of the first half of the season Leeds lost heavily to all of the big teams they they got pummeled by I mean I say pummeled on XG they were pummeled by Liverpool on the opening day it was 4-3 um, they obviously then they held Man City to a 1-1 draw at Ellen Road but at Man United they got hammered at Spurs they got thumped at Chelsea they got done 4-1 um, so they, they got beaten comfortably by the better teams on the road so that might factor into it I know they, as I said they improved against the better teams towards the back end of last season they drew nil over Chelsea um, I think they beat Man City at Man City they uh, they beat Spurs as well um, so they, they were starting to get to grips with the better teams um, and I think that they're more than capable of going to Man United and getting a result on this opening day so just looking at the handicap see if there's anything we can do there 
it, oh, if that, if that line, the line's at plus one at the minute um, for Leeds, even money. If that line was at plus one and a half, anywhere near 1.75, I would be putting that one up. Um, yeah, I'll put it up anyway. Leeds plus one on the Asian handicap. So if Leeds lose by exactly one goal, we get our money back. Um, if they avoid defeat, we get a winner. So it's around even money. I just think, yeah, like I've said, Manchester United probably will be not as fit as Leeds which could give Leeds an advantage uh, and Leeds, as we've said, improved drastically towards the back end of last season to push for what was the highest points total ever seen from a promoted team in the Premier League. So, um, yeah, re- really exciting match that. Should be really good. And like I say, you, with a plus one, you've got a bit of security. Plus 0.5, you obviously don't. Um, and Man United towards the back end of last season were really, really disappointing. And you've got no Rashford either to, to sort of fall back on Sancho still bedding in Martial will he be back fully fit we don't know Greenwood should be should be fit uh, Varane will he have bedded in by then you know there's a lot of question marks you've got Maguire and Shaw who obviously played in the the Euro final that might be a little bit off the pace so yeah it's, it's an interesting game this to try and assess um, but yeah, I, I think getting leads on board in some way is probably the way to, to go I'm looking at the longest odds of the week in our next fixture uh, that we're going to go through here. We do streamline this, by the way. We don't go through every single game um, here on the Premier League Insights podcast. Uh, but the away team, Crystal Palace, 12.370 against Chelsea, the Champions League winners, of course, who are uh, a very paltry 1.265. Where's the value in this game, Jake? If you're a punter and you're thinking, is there any value? I mean, look at you shaking your head, by the way, on, the, on our Zoom call. Sorry to ruin that uh, sort of charade. You were probably just trying to give me a little bit of Is there any value in this? Um, I, I'm guessing you might struggle on a serious note because it looks so one-sided and we don't know much about Crystal Palace and Patrick Vieira. Yeah, that's the main thing. Like we knew, we know that if Roy Hodgson was still in charge, he would have probably kept all the thirty-year-old players that would sit back and defend. Um, we don't know what to expect from uh, from Vieira's Crystal Palace because, as I said, they've made some really good young signings. They've made some exciting attacking signings as well. So, yeah, we don't know if they're going to sit back and allow Chelsea to try and dominate the ball and break them down, or if they're going to try and play on the front foot dominate the football which I think would be difficult um, so yeah it, it's a really difficult one to assess I'm half tempted again to try and get Crystal Palace on side with some sort of handicap just because of what we've said about Chelsea and the fact that they, they're not overly clinical when it comes to taking the chances they create plenty but they don't score many and that's a that's a major issue for, for Chelsea moving forward um, yeah and, and if Crystal Palace were to get a goal then that handicap bet would look Really, really good. Um, yeah, Chelsea, they, they're so so good at the back. And what did we see from them most of last season under Tuchel? It was um, Chelsea one, opponent nil. Um, and you can get one plus 1.5 on the Asian handicap with Crystal Palace, um, which if they lose one nil would be a winner. That's even money. And it's the same argument as what we said with Man United and Leeds, that Chelsea have got quite a lot of their squad played deep into the Euros Um you know, Werner played in the got, got to the that was it last sixteen. You got Jorginho, yeah. obviously won it. Um, just to name a few. So yeah, exactly. no, absolutely. I see that. I see that. That's actually a pretty good bet, isn't it? Really. Um, well, yeah, it, like, might, it may or may not be. Who knows? But that's the thing with it. You know, when you've got these new teams, isn't it? It makes it more difficult. And new managers. Yeah. It's not the Crystal Palace under Hodgson. You're absolutely right. And Chelsea won't be the same team as they were in February last year. So uh, not yet, anyway. So no, that's that's yeah. a solid. That's Solid bet. And one thing I would just say, yeah. just just on the overall picture of the betting at the start of the season, is just limit your stakes because there's so so many unpredictable variables that our model doesn't you know can't mm. 
account for. There's so many different things. We, we don't know what teams are going to be like, how they're going to play. I would usually save most of my powder until game week seven because um, after six games you've got a relatively decent enough sample size to be able to have a proper view on what each team is like how they play etc um, so that would be my main bit of advice is just if you are going to be betting on these games limit your stakes to very small because it is so unpredictable this time of year on a serious note on, on that point because we might see that Crystal Palace um, look absolutely woeful like they did under Frank De Paul that, you know, those years <laughs> ago four years ago whatever it was five seasons ago you might you might look at that and go oh my word actually they look really poor you know whoever is playing against them you want to you know we want to lump on type thing um, not that we would ever say that but we would maybe perhaps advise you in a more roundabout way to do that uh, let's uh, go through the uh, final game on Saturday half five kickoff at Carrow Road Norwich City back in the Premier League uh, 8.9 they are to beat Liverpool on pinnacle and uh, sixes for a draw and 1.327 for Jurgen Klopp's side to get the victory on the opening day at the newly promoted Canaries so where do you see the value in this one Jake because Liverpool full strength again ish Van Dijk back Gomez back it's um well, for Liverpool fans, it's good news. They'll probably be a bit more looking, well, they're looking forward to this season way more than they were um, sort of midway through last season where it just seemed like down and out, didn't it? Um, can they hit the dizzy heights of what they did two seasons ago um, in this opening game? Can they really hit the ground running? Yeah, I think they can. It's a, it's a nice game for them. If you remember, they actually played Norwich on the first game of the season. They won the Premier League title, beat mm-hmm. them. It's 4 1 at Anfield. Um, I won't be at all surprised to see a repeat. I think the golfing class is, is you know, really, really, really big um, in this game, hence the odds. Um, and Liverpool, as you've said, are pretty much full strength. As I've said, Salah Mane fully fit, having not played a mid, a mid a summer tournament. They had the 18 Olympic, uh, Olympics, oh, look at me, 18 World Cup, 19 African Cup of Nations. Um, 20, obviously, they were playing in the Premier League because the the, the COVID season. Um, so they've had a full seat summer off to, to get fully fit, recharge the batteries. The same can be said for, um, you know, Trent Alexander-Arnold, who obviously missed the Euros with injury. Jordan Henson barely played at the Euros. Van Dijk didn't play at all. Gomez didn't play at all. So there's a lot of positives about Liverpool. And they did look a bit tired mid part of last season. I think that was the main issue. Um, so, yeah, that, I think Liverpool will be a strong contender. I think a really sensible bet is Liverpool to be top at Christmas. I think they've got a really kind run of fixtures up until Christmas. They were actually top at Christmas last season when they weren't at the very best. So that could be an interesting um, anti-post bet. But for this game, the odds are so short, it is difficult to try and... Um, find a bit of value I know the the, the market's fancy in goals I probably would sway that way myself as well I think Norwich the way in which they play is quite open and expansive and, and if they don't change that style then they could be in you know, relegated quickly again. So I would, I'd like to see Norwich play a bit more reserves because it would give them a better chance in the long term, but I don't think they will. And I think Liverpool will, will create quite a few chances. So again, I'm good on the handicap, um, but I'm taking Liverpool minus one and a half. So we need Liverpool to win two nil or more. And yeah, I, I don't think Norwich are going to be at the standard to be able to cause Liverpool too many issues. Well, there we are. And uh, we've got one game. There are two games on Sunday. There is uh, Newcastle against West Ham, but we are going to target Manchester City travelling to Tottenham Hotspur. Now, this is interesting because effectively, effectively, I mean, I'm not saying this is going to happen at all. And by the time that this goes out, I might actually look like a bit of an idiot saying this, but this it could be the Harry Kane match. You know, in terms of, I mean, I'm pretty certain he will not be playing for Manchester City on Sunday. I would be amazed if he was. However, this is like, 
you know, it, it's got a bit of needle to it, this, hasn't it? It's got a little bit of needle. Um, Nuno's first game in charge of Spurs. Is, is he going to have any players to pick from? Any of, his, any of his key players? You know, that's that's that, that's a, quite a serious question. City, just so dominant, so rampant, aren't they? Um, the odds are kind of reflecting that a little bit, but I'm guessing there's probably a little bit of value in this game, Jay. Um, just a mark your card. Spurs at Pinnacle are five, just over five and a half. And uh, City are at 1.598. And for a draw, is it six players? Sorry, 4.39. That would be amazing value if it was a six. Uh, so, Jake, uh, where's the value? Um, I think the value is to oppose goals in this one. Um Going off the theme that Nuno is a very defensive manager, he'll try and keep things tight. He's actually got a very good record against Manchester City um, before last season, that is. Um, he'd actually beaten them, I think, twice in the league. He did the double over them um, with with Wolves. He also drew with them at Molyneux. But yeah, so yeah, he, he knows how to set up a team to cause Guardiola some issues. Um, like you said, the worry is if Harry Kane is still. Not training. If his head's still been turned, he's not going to feature at all, even if he is still a Spurs player. Um, and that's a massive issue for Spurs because they don't really have any other strikers. Um, Min Son, they'd be heavily reliant on him. Um, and then you're looking at your likes of Ndombele and Lo Celso to create. So, yeah, that's what why I'm leaning towards goals, is uh, under goals, is because they're going to have no attacking outlets. So the only thing they can do to try and get a point is to defend. Um, and we know Manchester City were so good defensively themselves last season. Um, best defence in the league across the whole season conceding um, very few chances especially away from home just 1.33 expected oh sorry I read Liverpool's then 0.87 expected goals against per game away from home Manchester right. City last season which is an astonishing number really away from home um, so they're not going to give up many chances even to a, a Spurs team that, that might be very toothless uh, it's just going to be a case of can Man City break them down and if so how many will they win by but I, I'm quite happy to go with under two and a half goals just get that price up now on Pinnacle. You're looking at uh, 2.18, so nearly 6 to 5, which is uh, quite a big price, really, mm. given the fact that, as I've said, Nuno, who's a defence-first manager, is in charge of Spurs. Uh, yeah, Spurs. It's weird saying that. Still getting it? used to these managers, yeah. Yeah, just you wait until Grealish or Kane puts on a City shirt. That'll take a while to get used to. <laughs> uh, Jake, absolute pleasure. I'm really looking forward to uh, talking about this every single game week. And also we'll, we do loads of different little specials and stuff when it comes to the Champions League and the big major tournaments. Or we'll do a little probably AFCON preview. So if you do like the sound of what we're doing, uh, do stick with us um, here on the Pinnacle uh, stream it's on all the betting uh, streaming bits Spotify and um, you know Apple podcasts and online and on Podbean and on the website as well we've got everything on there you can find out more about the info goal model by the way and uh, I'll get this right this time www.infogold.net and um, as ever we've only been doing these podcasts for about six months I know so. I know I can't believe it and I've said it flawlessly so many times said, come on for, uh, ring rust do you know what I mean first I, one back it's a bit of exactly. rust yeah, yeah we'll exactly. I, went, I went deep into the Euros Jake uh, um, yeah all, <laughs> so I'm knackered still recovering um, all the latest Premier League markets by the way at pinnacle.com you can follow all the latest posts at Pinnacle on Twitter and Pinnacle.betting on Instagram there's loads of Olympic content in the US Open tennis in a few weeks time as well on there um, and loads of the cool little tidbits so do stick around uh, and follow all those and thanks for listening thanks for being with us and we'll talk to you next week I'll be reviewing all our picks from week number one. Stick with us. Cheers for listening.